Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Lisa H., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Tennessee. Today's Wednesday, August the 30th, 2023, and this is the 7 a.m. Eastern Time Meeting. Today we're reading from the big book, and we're on page 103, beginning with the second paragraph, Someday We Hope That Alcoholics Anonymous, and we're going to be reading through two paragraphs ending We have to. Um, We'll be commenting on those two paragraphs. Today's readers, and thank you for your service this August, for the 12 Steps, Esther F., the 12 Traditions, Joni C., readers of the text, Vanessa G., Reva P., and Chris G., our newcomer greeter is Anne-Marie M., and our second-hour host is Ramona A. The share ID numbers for yesterday, Tuesday, August the 29th, 2023, For the 7 a.m. Eastern Time Meeting, it's 20,579. That's 20,579. And for the 10 a.m. Eastern Time Meeting, it's 20,580. That's 20,580. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Esther F. to please read the 12 steps. Good morning. This is Esther F., a recovered recovered compulsive overeater from Cleveland, Ohio. The 12 steps. Number one, we admitted we were powerless over food that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you for letting me do service, and I pass. Thank you, Esther F. 
And I will now ask Joni C. to please read the 12 traditions. Good morning. This is Joni C., uh, a compulsive overeater from Minnesota. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise. Thus, problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11. Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media communication. And 12. Anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions every reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you, Joni C. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute once you're done, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book in the chapter Working with Others on page 103. We'll be finishing this chapter today, starting with the second paragraph that begins, Someday We Hope That Alcoholics Anonymous, reading through two paragraphs ending, We Have To exclamation point. And I will now ask Vanessa G. Oh, I might have, I know, ask, ask Vanessa G to please begin reading. Good morning, everyone. This is Vanessa G. 
recovered in New Mexico. So I'm, I'm honored this morning to be tasked with closing out the chapter working with others. Someday, we hope that Alcoholics Anonymous will help the public to a better realization of the gravity of the alcoholic problem. But we shall be of little use if our attitude is one of bitterness or hostility. Drinkers will not stand for it. After all, our problems were of our own making. Bottles were only a symbol. Besides, we have stopped fighting anybody or anything. We have to. So this, this chapter um, has given me very clear instructions on how to heal myself by helping others to heal, how to keep recovery by giving it away. Um, it's truly given me the key to life itself, not just for me, but for so many who otherwise would have died, just like I would have. Those who have gone before me, those who are with me now, and for all those yet to come. It's fascinating to me that this chapter closes with warnings against bitterness and hostility and fighting. Um, so where does this come from? You know, these feelings of bitterness and, ho and hostility and why do I want to fight? So I was reminded yesterday by a fellow on this line that the answer to those questions is simple. I'm afraid. And of course, you know, faith... Um, doesn't work very well with being afraid. And boy, oh boy, have I been afraid lately. Two weeks ago, um, I found out that my first sponsor in 12-step recovery in our grandfather program nearly died. This is someone who has been my teacher and friend for over 30 years, someone who perhaps knows me better than my own family. She helped me through the steps and to a spiritual awakening just as she had been helped. And I doubt a day has gone by that I don't reference something that she taught me, not the least of which is service to others is essential to staying recovered. So, you know, fear has always been a dangerous place for me. I automatically cover it over, first with denial and then with anger and before recovery with other um with food, with other substances, with booze. And this time, my denial and my anger kicked in um, again, but um, not, I'm sorry, I'm just, I, um, I'm getting a little bit of an emotional, I guess, because, you know, once again, I am starting to actually find um, the place where I need um, to ask God at this point to fill me with his love to combat the fear that I have. Um, there is no room for fear when I am in God's love. And when God's love goes through me and um, to others. And that's the crux of Alcoholics Anonymous. It's the crux of Overeaters Anonymous. It's the crux of so many programs. Um, accessing that love and that 
care and that protection and passing it on to others. Hi. Um, again, thank you so much for my being able to talk this morning. And I pass. Thank you, Vanessa G., for getting us started this morning. And although we value your experience, we do ask that you limit your shares to every third day in order that others might share their experience too. So if you've shared on any of the vision meetings on Monday or Tuesday, we ask you to hold back this morning. And who would like to share on what was read? Rachel K. Rachel. Larry K. Larry. Jennifer. Jennifer C. Jennifer, Christina and I heard J. Melissa. Thanks. Christina J. Denise O. Christina, and hang on. Christina. Heidi and, L. Oh, somebody bef- between Christina and Elena. And Heidi, Heidi L. Up there. I got Heidi L. Who was, Melissa C. Who was after Christina J before Elena? Denise O. Denise, thank you. Okay, this is what I have. I have Rachel K, Larry K, Jennifer C, Melissa C, Christina J, Denise O, Elena C, and Heidi L. So, Rachel K, you're up, followed by Larry K. Hi, thank you. This is Rachel K, compulsive overeater from Indiana. And, um, wow, uh, two paragraphs. This, this reminds me, and I'm not an AA historian, but I do know that AA was not a temperance society. So they were not like, let's get rid of all alcohol. You know, they were very clear, and we are very clear in our tradition that that's an outside issue. I was born, I I believe, for me, I was born a compulsive overeater. It wasn't the food industry. It wasn't the diet industry. It wasn't pressure from magazines. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't any of those things. I have a disease. I was born with a disease, an allergy of the body and an obsession of the mind, you know, physical and emotional, and the, the, the medicine is spiritual. So, and, and where it says that bottles were but a symptom, right, food is just a symptom. You know, I don't really even have a food problem. I have a living problem, and food was my really, really, really bad solution. Um, and I love the part where it says, we remember, you know, we don't fight anybody or anything or anyone. That's, for me, fighting things is, it's like sugar for me. You know, it's, it's something that other people can afford to do, whether it's, you know, fighting with, um, you know, a, sponsee that, you know, why can't you do it this way, you need to do it this way, fighting with people in my family, or self-righteous anger. And for me, that's the hardest one to give up, right? It's right there in the name, righteous, right, I'm right, right? Shouldn't I be able to fight? Shouldn't I be able to be a right fighter if I believe something is morally wrong or, you know, ethically wrong? Shouldn't I be able to fight? Nope, not me. I am a distinct entity. It's something I can't afford to do. If there's something I feel strongly about, there's other ways that I can be of service without fighting. I have to leave that for other people who are better equipped to do the fighting for me or or in that direction. I have ceased fighting anything or anyone, food, people, principles. I don't. I, I pray. I act and I live in acceptance of 
people and things, love and tolerance. That's my code, not self-righteousness. So anyway, thanks for letting me share. Thanks everybody who just served us on this meeting and I pass. Thank you, Rachel Kay. And Larry Kay, you're up, followed by Jennifer C. Good morning, uh, Larry Kay, Recovered Compulsive Reader from Chicago. Um, yeah, we, to, you know, we shall be of little use if our attitude is one of bitterness and hostility. You know, drinkers will not stand for that. I, I've seen that they will stand for that, actually. We come here beaten down, and oftentimes we seek out that same person or message that will beat us down. It's what's familiar. You know, an analogy I thought about for this passage, you know, just like an apple tree can't, it's not going to be able to bear fruit if it's surrounded by harsh weather conditions constantly, right? And in the same way, OA can't effectively raise awareness about this disease, about this spiritual malady, if our approach is filled with bitterness and hostility. See, I, I don't believe in a bitter, hostile God who's looking to be right who's looking to catch me do, doing something wrong. And what I've found in the in 12-step rooms sometimes over the years is, um, is a situation where, you know, a fellow's tough love can quickly and sometimes, you know, in subtle ways, it can descend into bitterness and hostility. And we don't even, we're not even aware of it, you know, and I've been there myself too. And, and you know, as someone, I was talking to someone earlier this morning, you know, good intentions are not enough because, as I was reminded by my friend, the road to hell can be paved with the best of intentions, you know. And for me, I, I try to carry a message that's balanced. No, no question, I need to speak the truth. I don't want to water down the truth about this disease. But if that message isn't balanced with empathy and with understanding and respect, then, I, then I'm like a porcupine. And as my friend reminded me, you know, who, who loves a porcupine? Just another porcupine. You know, I don't want to be a porcupine today. I'll speak the truth. I don't have to say it in a mean, condescending, demeaning way. You know, when tough love isn't tempered with compassion and genuine care, you know, people are going to run for the hills. If it's harsh and punitive, they're going to run from the hills. And if someone is attracted to a harsh and punitive message, then I would begin to question. Most of us get here very vulnerable. What are they attracted to? It's like the person that won't leave an abusive relationship that seeks one after another. It's what's familiar. But it can be, you know, so I try to deliver a message that's not demeaning because I didn't want to be demeaned when I got here. I want to, I try to, you know, um, not defensive, you know, uh, to have good communication. So it's, it's, um, it's a tough balancing act, right? But we can do it. And that's what makes it attractive. The people, I'll wrap up with this, the people that are most attractive to me in program were from the beginning and still are the ones that can express compassion and love while speaking the truth as well. Those are the people I'm attracted to their recovery. They have what I want. I learned from them. With that, I pass. Thanks so much. Thank you, Larry Kay. And Jennifer C., you're up, followed by Melissa C. Good morning. This is Jennifer C. Recovered in Greenville, South Carolina. Um, thank you all for being here with me this morning and so grateful to be here with you. Um, so gravity, right? The gravity of the alcoholic problem. Um, that word gravity is a force. It's an extreme force. Um, and it's 
alarming. It's an alarming force that's at work in the alcoholic, the force to destroy ourselves with food, right? The force to keep annihilating our dreams and our goals and our aspirations and our relationships for that temporary ease and comfort that comes at once by taking a bite, by taking a few bites, by rationalizing eating off our food plans just one more time. Who needs to be perfect anyway, right? What's, what's, you know, what's the big deal? That is an extreme force at work in our lives. And we come together for another extreme force, right? This, this other extreme force is the power of God and the power of love that we find in these rooms. And that is the only force that can be a sufficient substitute for this evil and corroding threat of this disease that wants to take us all out. And we have to protect this force, this force of love, right? Like we don't, We can't take it lightly because it's the love that saves us. And so my goal and my ideal as a sponsor is to be a channel um, and to just keep being a channel so that this person that I'm working with can, can feel that force that is here to save them. Right. Um, A symbol. So alcohol is just a symbol, right? Like the food is just a symbol symbol is something that stands for something else. It it kind of represents something else. So what is it representing? This intense need to feel connected, right? Like my connection with God is the solution. And when I don't feel connected, the first thing that my mind tells me to do is eat. Because when I feel full, I feel more connected, right? Like one of the things I became more aware of when I was getting sober with food was the numbness. Like, you know what? Like, I'd rather feel something. And as soon as I pick up, I feel. And it was better than feeling numb. And so, you know, the reality is that we have a gift to offer each other, and it's the gift of love, and it's the gift of this extreme force of recovery that really does guarantee a sufficient substitute. And I'm so grateful to be living in recovery today, one day at a time. And it's because of the love, and it's because of the extreme force of the power of God in my life that I'm able to live without killing myself with food today. Thank you all for being here. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Jennifer C. And Melissa C., you're up, followed by Christina J. Hey, good morning. Thanks so much for your service this morning, Lisa. My name is Melissa C. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. I live in New York. And, um, yeah, I think about bitter and hostile, you know, and bitter, angry, and resentful and what's unfair and, you know, hostility, emotionally charged and aggressive. And, okay, who's interested in that, right? I think, like, if I'm out there eating, the last thing I want is to be met with someone who's bitter and hostile. And my experience, you know, has been that that never got me anywhere, that never got me, you know, to stop eating. You know, never, like, convinced me. Um, and, and, like, so... I think it's, you know, this chapter is very clear over and over and over again how we're to carry the message. Um, 
It's to live the message. It's, you know, it's attraction, not promotion. And, um, you know, I do I like the food industry? Do I like the, you know, all the pressure of body image on people and 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 the things that are pumped into people's food and the way that I see people I love eat? And No, I probably don't, right? But what's my attitude got to be, you know? Um, no one gets convinced by people who walk around bitter and hostile, you know, and, and for me, what would I do when people were bitter and hostile? Well, I either, you know, did what I thought they wanted me to do so I could get them off my back, but it never went from my head to my heart, right? I never really internalized it or made it change. Or um, I would fight back by looking for how their argument was wrong and flawed, or the best, you know, the real thing that I always did as a compulsive overeater was I avoided them. Like I went into my isolation and I stayed far away from people who had a bitter and hostile attitude. And if that's what we're doing, if I'm out there being bitter and hostile, then I'm driving people away from me. And how could I possibly be helpful? you know, to people who are avoiding me. You know, if if somebody I love is eating in a way that I find upsetting, um, if I come at them, that's not going to get them to stop eating. It's going to get them to stop eating in front of me. So they're going to avoid me, and then I can't be helpful to them. And I, you know, I've ceased fighting anything or anybody. I think I love hearing, you know, I love hearing and seeing the beautiful power, you know, of restoration. And I think that's the message that we go out there and carry, that we live our best life and um, and give credit to God. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Melissa C. And Christina J., you're up, followed by Denise O. Morning, everyone. Uh, Christina J. in North Carolina. Um, Yesterday's reading and the shares really got me to thinking about something. Um, What brought me to my knees? What brought me to a life I never would have discovered? What brought me to searching my soul and trying to rid myself of ego and uh, jealousy and insecurity and fear and thinking I wasn't good enough? or thinking I was good enough, and judgment, and all of that stuff. What brought me to this program was my disease. What brought me was that food. What right do I have to go out after I get recovered or have the food down and judge another person's journey with any type of food or addiction, or maybe not even an addiction? I don't know what God's doing with that. You know, that's my righteous ego. And I had one when I was in the food. And I had one when I was on diets. Uh, I must not forget where I came from and what got me here. I think of being a mother and, oh, my kids are doing this, that, and the other. other. I I was a kid once, you know. (laughs) What brought me here was a desperation for freedom from the food. And then then I yearned for the freedom from myself. And um, so when I see another suffering in addiction, like my mother is suffering in her addiction, she was a food addict. And in her early 50s, she went to opiates for her extreme arthritic body pain. She's been on opiates for 20 years. She's now an addict. Is it her fault? 
well, she was an addict to start with. It's not our fault, is it, that we're addicts? But I see her and I wonder about many other elders in our society that have to be on these opiates that have stolen their ability to be present. Um, And I have to have tolerance, patience, and pity and love, holding all in space, holding all in love, that love space, and knowing that God has my mother. It breaks my heart to see addicts on the streets spinning out in meth, or I see someone in a car eating from bags and boxes like I used to, but it brought me here. I'm getting goose chills as I say this because I have a responsibility to take a higher road of love and not to judge others. I mean, how is the program going to foster and grow if I'm righteous walking around in my so-called thin, lovely body, you know, whatever? Um, I'm grateful to be walking around with the same head today, as same as it can be today, as long as I stay close to God. So I'm grateful to this food, this disease, you know. This food, I have a new respect for it because God used the bad to bring the good. And that isn't that the way it always happens. And you all have been so wonderful and so supportive. And without you and this program, I would I would just be 500 pounds, you know, because that was my only solution. So if you're in relapse, it's okay because, you know, it's not okay, but it's okay. I mean, God's grace will get you here, even though you might not believe in a God. If you're here... <laughs> You're here for a reason. Love you all. I pass. Thank you, Christina J. And Denise O., you're up, followed by Elena C. Hi, this is Denise O., compulsive overeater from Wisconsin. Um, thanks, everybody, for your service. Um, I started, I went to my first OE meeting 13 years ago, and I was so in the disease. And the only thing I saw at the meeting um, was um, people sharing stories about um, harsh realities of life, um, child abuse, uh, rape, things like that in, in their story that they were telling. And at first, I, you know, I, I, well, that wasn't my experience. And so I thought, I don't know, I'm not, it's not that bad for me. I don't belong in this group. And um, so I went for about six months and then I stopped going. And not until I came back a little over a year ago did I really see that I wasn't, I mean, yes, people did tell a little bit of the story, but I didn't see the recovery because I was so in the disease that I just didn't see it. I, and, we, and I wasn't working the 12 steps either, so of course that didn't help. <laughs> I was just using it more as a diet program those six months I was in. Um, and I kind of blamed the meeting. I'm like, well, that's why it didn't work, which it, it it had nothing to do with that. It, it was me. Um, I just didn't see it because I was in the disease. Um, so when I came back um, a little over a year ago, I went to my first meeting and I I, I was desperate because that's why we go. And um, and there was a, a woman in the meeting um, and I saw light in her and I thought, wait a minute, like she's laughing about some of this stuff. And I thought, Hmm. And I'm sure in that first meeting I went to 12 years ago, there were people like that, but I wasn't willing to see that at that moment. At that moment. Um, and this time I was. And I was like, oh, I want some of that. Um, eventually I got a sponsor, um, started taking action, doing the services, working 12 steps. Um, and I stopped fighting. And that's what this um, particular passage says, um, that you stop fighting anybody or every anyone and stop making excuses. That was my big thing. I always had an excuse. Um, 
and it really is about love. And that's, and that's where I want to be. So I want to thank everybody for on this meeting. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Denise O. And Elena C., you're up, followed by Heidi L. Good morning, everyone. Good morning, Lisa. Thank you so much for being here. My name is Elena C. Uh, from South Carolina. I spell my name E-L-E-N-A, and I'm recovered today. Um, so there's so many messages that I hear from this paragraph, particularly one, um, the fighting. And, you know, I heard in another meeting, something was really profound for me. Um, and it meant like, it, meant, it was something like this. The war is over and luckily I lost. And at that time I was like, wait a minute, I got me here and you told me I will be fine. And now you're telling me that I'm gonna be a loser. I don't think so. Because it was so, profound and so pervasive the phenomenon of fighting the phenomenon of fighting for me was so elusive that I could not differentiate the true from the false you know everything that that happened it was a challenge for me and it got me a little bit of an adrenaline rush to participate in life and that's how I participated in life you know, and so my first sponsor in Al-Anon asked me, do you want to be happy or you want to be right? And I'm like, I don't understand the question because I'm happy when I'm right. But then anyways, <laughs> twisted thinking, you know, Elena in the old ways. So here's what I hear. Here's what I hear. Fighting means fight is an act of violence, an act of aggression. Now, I don't want to do that. Why would I want to do that? So maybe the fighting word can be transformed into participating, engaging, you know, cooperating, team, team up with someone. It's not about that. It's about belonging. It's about accessing God. It's about practicing attitude the attitude of gratitude as a result of this step i should have a spiritual awakening that will help me practice an attitude of gratitude of compassion of giving of love you know and then i need to allow the universe to you know fight the, the battles for me that's all there is to it god will fight my battles in, in God's way, in God's timing, it's not my way. I am not that. I am not that big. I cannot contribute that much to this war of addiction. All I can do is do my work, one day at a time, and access God of my understanding, and let God of my understanding take over for a change take over for a change. And then all I need to do is just look for signals and follow what, what, it's, what God is sending my way all day, every day, all day at a time, one day at a time. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Elena C. And Heidi L., please share with us. 
Good morning. My name is Heidi L. I am calling you from a very clean, serene, sunny apartment in Toronto. Um, I am a compulsive overeater, and I just need to share that I did a 12-step work uh, a couple days ago. Uh, I have a friend who I've known for a few years, and she is having a really, really, really hard time with her family, and We've all been living in this program for so many years, living, breathing, eating this program, knowing it, being guided by it. And I just said, why don't you try the family program? And the relief that she felt is inexplainable. It's just, it's so marvelous. And the thing that I just need to share is that there is no greater satisfaction than a 12-step job well done um, and I didn't even realize I was doing this like it's like that's how the program is supposed to work it wasn't about me it was just like shrugging my shoulders and saying eh, try this you're having a hard time try this um, and it made me realize and it's making me realize and I have a lump in my throat right now just how very very powerful and magical and wonderful this program is and as she sits in meetings weeping she said she took comfort in the fact that other people were chuckling and saying, she's, that was the word she used, chuckling, that they'd all been through their weeping times. Because that's what this program is. We come, we weep, we get better, we may be relapsed, we don't relapse. We just take our time and put one step in front of the other, one foot in front of the other, and do the best that we can. And um, I just feel really, really serene right now with you folks. Uh, I don't get to come to this meeting very often. Uh, September comes. I need to be rushing off to work at this time of the day. And I'm really, really grateful that all 350-odd people of you are here and holding my seat for the next time I come. And thank you. Thank you, Heidi L., And we are on page 103, and we've read the last two paragraphs, the end of the chapter, and it begins, Someday We Hope That Alcoholics Anonymous, and ends, We Have To. And who else would like to share? Russ M. Russ? Alex B. Katie T. Alex B. from Missouri. Alex? Tennessee. Anna. Leah S. Reva P. Leah. Reva. Thank you. Okay. Anybody else? Okay. This is who I have. Russ M. Katie T. I think it was Alex from Missouri. Shanna C. Leah S. And Reva P. So Russ M. You're up. Followed by Katie T. Thank you, uh, Lisa. Appreciate it. But, uh, family, good morning. Russ, can you hear me? Yes. If you're if you're not Russ M, please star one to mute. Sorry, Russ. Go ahead. I got double muted. I'm sorry about that. No. Boy, if, if, can you hear me now? We're good. We're good. I'm using the line I hate. Right. <laughs> yes, we're good. We're good. Here. All right. Thank you. Sorry about that. So. Is this the, the this passage is for me, right? It's speaking right to me. I'm from 
I, I'm from the Rocky Balboa school of life. I've been fighting my whole life. I'm from the streets. Everything I ever got, I fought for. And that's the truth. It was, it, 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 it was a fist fight. My life was, was a fist fight. That's why I'm a train wreck. But getting in the program, getting stripped down and working on these things, I'm out of the food. I'm much more serene. But I still have that instinct in me to strike. So these things are presented to me. I guess, you know, my wonderful sponsor always says these are opportunities for growth. Like, I don't want to grow no more. I want it to be easy. I don't want to have to fight. I don't want you to hurt me so I don't have to fight. But that's not how life works. It's not how life works. Larry crossed it. He said, we're allowed to speak the truth and love and compassion. Dude, I want to speak the truth with brute force and ignorance. That's how I'm brought up. So I got to work on this. You know, I'll probably have it all figured out about 12 minutes after I'm dead. But at least I have this program to move forward. I don't want to fight with people. Right now, I'm in a situation with my family, with a band that I have with my kids and my niece. It's going to be a legal battle over a, a, a band that, I mean, we're not Aerosmith. I mean, we're a bunch of Sicilians from the east end of Norristown trying to make a couple bucks. And it's getting out of hand. And they're hurting my family. And I'm sure I'm hurting them. But how do I go about doing this? Prayer. Trying to be of service to them, which I don't want to be of service to them, to hurt my family. But I, I, I think that's where the miracle happens. I got to, you know, I got to shut my mouth, pray, and work towards helping and resolving. That's sweeping my side of the street or, you know, just trying to do good. It's hard, man. It's hard when I see things that they're blatantly doing to my family. It breaks my heart because I love these people. But... I guess this is an opportunity for learning is what I'm saying. Not to give you my life history and give you all the drama. The point is, you know, just because I'm out of the food and I'm doing good and I'm sponsoring, I'm living this program, I'm still a screwed up human that needs this way of life to survive and to help somebody and serve God. So I ain't there yet, but thank you. You have a good day. Love you all. Thank you, Russ M. And Katie T., you're up, followed by Alex. Uh, good morning. This is Katie T., uh, compulsive overeater, recently uh, returning after a relapse. And when I read this and heard it this morning again, and, you know, we, we have ceased fighting anything or anyone, I, it, it clicked for me that I have been fighting the program. And, you know, it was just a whole new spin on this for me because that's, I have had frequent relapses. Unfortunately, in the last six years that I've been here in South Carolina with big book meetings and A Vision for You, they've been very short and uh, quickly uh, got back on the program. When previously, if I ate, I left. So I thank God for that. But this thing about fighting the program, you know, there's a passive aggressive, which basically means you have a feeling, but you don't express it directly, and it's often anger. You express it indirectly. And I, I wasn't aware of actually being um, 
angry at the program, but sometimes I was angry at the assignments or angry at the slow pace maybe that the sponsoring was taking through the steps or you know I, I found myself you know that there's too much the evening review the morning prayer and meditation the phone calls the staying in touch the going to meetings and so I most often wasn't doing those things not all of them sometimes not very many of them I was being abstinent but um we talk about I mean I've been around away since the 70s not always in and um so I, I just had to look at that, you know, I'm, I express my uh, unwillingness to really surrender to this program by not doing it. And I, whether that's anger or what it is, it's like I'm fighting the program by not doing it. And I see other people doing it and it's like, okay, why don't they get it, you know, because I'm abstinent. Well, abstinent isn't the answer. The answer is being recovered. And really having freedom, and um, so I've I've committed probably for the first time in all the time I've been in OA to doing everything the Big Book asks me to do, everything that somebody says will help me, calling someone when I feel like eating, you know, making phone calls. Uh, I've sponsored before, but sponsoring is going to be a whole different different ball of wax when I get back to it this time because I'm personally not fighting the program. Doesn't mean it's easy when I when I follow through with my commitments. Uh, to do everything the big book asks me to do. I don't always like it, but I'm doing it. And it's making such a difference. I'm just in like a couple of weeks, I'm seeing shifts in how I deal with things. I'm not as isolated. And so if, if you're fighting the program, give that up too. That's all I got to say today. Thanks a lot. Thank you, Katie T. And I believe it's Alex from Missouri, if you'll give me the first initial of your last name. Followed yes, by good Tennessee. morning. This this is Alec B. from from Missouri. Uh, thank you for, for listening. Um, yeah, I just want to share a grace that I received last night that related so well to the reading. Um, I'm in a period of transition, uh, and things, you know, unexpected things are happening in my schedule or whatever, and last night I just had an emotional reaction to something that someone said, and I felt a little out of sorts, and uh, my ego was hurt, and I just, so those thoughts came back about food. Um, but instead of, as in the past of like, you know, fighting or getting stressed out or <laughs> freaking out or just going into them, I just sat down and surrendered and just sat down and I prayed and I called into a meeting and just acknowledged that these people who I, I've seen face to face and, you know, oh, this is what's going on. Um, and it was just that I, I, I just had to let go instead of fighting, instead of putting a plan in place, trying to control it. It was just sitting down and doing what the program has taught me um, and, and praying first, right? Depending on, on my God. And then uh, this, and you know, thankfully I didn't, I didn't, I didn't listen to that voice. It just went away. God took it away. And this morning when I was doing my 11 step meditation, where for me in my spiritual tradition, I use um, the Psalms, the spiritual text in my tradition. And the Psalm said, uh, I think it's 17 or 18. God, you freed me from an enemy more powerful than I am. And I thought, wow, isn't that perfect? This enemy that is more powerful than me, that when I fight, I lose. And so I might as well just surrender to let God free me, because this thing is not more powerful than God, um, but it is more powerful than me. And so to rely on the community, the fellowship, to rely on the steps, and ultimately to rely on God um, in surrender is the only path for me. That when I'm trying to control it, I'm trying to 
take lead, that's when I, I fall apart because I think I'm the powerful one, uh, but I'm not. And, and so I'm so grateful to have, have even that moment of stress or that moment of that thought or that emotional uh, spiral last night, small spiral, I will just sit down and breathe and pray and choose one more day with God's help, one more day of abstinence, one more day of freedom, one more day of recovery. Um, and so I'm grateful that, that this idea of, of stop fighting, I have to stop fighting, for me is such a culture shock. It's such a, I was raised in New York. My parents are lawyers. That whole fighting and arguing is so much part of my culture. But this uh, program has showed me, no, that is not the way. That is not the solution. The only solution is surrender and let God do my uh, fighting for me. And God's way is the way of peace and love and tolerance. So with that, uh, I pass. Thank you very much. Thank you, Alex B. And Shanna C., you're up, followed by Leah S. Good morning. This is Shanna C., Grateful Recovered Compulsive Overeater through the grace of God. Um, I haven't found it necessary to eat today and, and for quite a few 24 hours of meals. It's a miracle for my life. And that said, you know, I'm just amazed at how uh, quickly my mind goes back to the idea that that it is my job to show intolerance or hatred. Those are just some of the old ideas that I had because I, you know, living a life on self-will for such a long time, thinking that I'm supposed to rely on myself and my own power to do whatever needed to be done. Because in the back of my mind, there was the idea that there wasn't really a God, number one, and number two, that if there was a God, he didn't care about me because I wasn't good enough, um, because I was unable to follow those rules. I messed them up every time. I didn't understand that I had it backwards, that I actually needed this God in order to be able to follow the rules. Um, And even then, it's just, it's, oh, geez. Anyway, so grateful for the process of the steps that, you know, in, in understanding for those who are new, you know, the step one, I'm powerless, you know, getting to that point of powerlessness was what, And still, even to this to this day, every day, I'm still powerless over food and over the fact that I have this this uh, disease, and that I need power every day um, from a power greater than me. And so, the surrendering to the powerlessness is what it actually enables the power to stay abstinent to flow in. So I ask for it, God, please enable me to you know stay abstinent and sober. And please enable me to stick with spiritual principles in the food plan. Every day I pray that. Because left to my own devices, I will go back and do what I do. Um, And so that said, uh, the gravity of this food uh, compulsive overeating problem, yeah, the intention is absolutely um, that people have come to a better realization of it. And for me, that is learning the when and the how to give. And for me, what that looks like is, is staying close to God every single day by following these directions, uh, being willing to be honest with myself and others about where I'm at, what's going on, um, and being willing to help others by sharing my own experience. I don't, you know, by the time I got into that point of utter desperation and, and saw how powerless I was, I was guided through pragmatism and love and kindness and honesty by someone who had found this solution and was properly armed with the facts about her. So she didn't preach. She didn't do anything. She wasn't mean. She still isn't. She guided me. And I want to be that way to to other people. You know, I'm not shooting fish in a barrel here. 
Um, anyway, that's all I have, and I'm so grateful to be here and for another day abstinent and free from this and uh, be given this way of life that really, really does work, and I don't have to force anything down anybody's throat. That's all I have. Thanks. Have a great day. Thank you, Shanna C. And Leah S., if you'll take two minutes, we'll have two minutes for Reva P. Thank you very much. My name is Leah S. in Brooklyn, New York. Okay, here we go. Um, I shall be little use if my attitude is of negativity. And my problems are my own making. And the uh, trigger foods are a symbol for me. And I cannot stop, I cannot fight anyone or anything. Oh, uh, wow. Um, What is joy and happy and free? Really um, not being in the negativity and understanding and examining myself that there was something that I was doing up until now that was making me unhappy. And I need to examine myself first. I need to become humble enough And then when I found the answer and I found that I am free of that um, negativity, how do I do this to get free, real free? Um, I was told to pay it forward. And how do I pay it forward? I tell you guys, that's what I'm doing. And this is how I'm doing it. And with that, I will pass. Thank you, Leah S. And Reva P., please share with us. Good morning. This is Reva P., grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater in Toronto. Um, When I'm connecting these paragraphs together, what I'm hearing is, yeah, never show intolerance or hatred or bitterness or hostility to drinking, the substance, um, and drinking as an institution, because I need to understand the gravity of my problem. The alarming seriousness of my problem is that food was not the problem, that the problem is this self-will run riot, my selfishness, and that when I am run on self-will, I'm usually doing the self-will controlling and being hostile and bitter because I'm terrified and fearful. So this is telling me that the reason why this disease is so uh, serious is not just because I have an allergy of the body, but if I'm an abstinence and I'm not working the steps and I'm not accessing this power, um, I can do a lot of damage and I'm missing the point. I'm missing the point that it's my thinking that's directing misguided, crazy behavior. Um, And... I don't have to fight anything. I'm always fighting if I'm believing the lies that my head tells me that are underneath um, all of this stuff. Um, and um, I don't think I can put into words, but the business of stop, stopping fighting, when I'm not in fear, when I'm connected to power, I don't have to fight because there's nothing to fight. I'm not like white knuckled tolerant. Um, there is nothing to fight because God knows what he's doing. I don't know better how people should be and the world should run and this person should be and what, how this one should recover. Um, and that's the miracle of it. Um, and with that, I pass. 
Thank you, Reva P. And thank you to everyone who shared this morning. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. The share ID for today, Wednesday, August 30th, 2023, the 7 a.m. Eastern Time Meeting is 20,582. That's 20582. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. And Reva P., will you please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order, but obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the spirit and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until 